We open God's holy word today to the book of Revelation, the first chapter and the first verse. Revelation 1.1, follow along with me if you would on the screen behind me or in your copy of God's word. Revelation 1.1 begins, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his bondservants the things which must soon take place. And he sent and communicated it by his angel to the bondservant John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood, and he has made us to be a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Would you pray with me? Good and gracious Father, we come to you this day humbly, listening to these great anthems, humbled by the message that you are our king and we are your people. Forgive us, Father, when we have crept onto the throne of our own life and allow us this day to kneel humbly at your throne. Be with us in this moment, Father. May your spirit speak through these words and make a true difference in our lives. On this day that we call Reign of Christ Sunday, although every day is the Reign of Christ. May you reign supremely in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. What do these words mean to you? Clearly, these are some of the most profound and powerful words of the entire Bible. But what do they really mean to you, where you live? When you leave this place in 30 minutes or so, what will these words mean? Will they make any difference? As I read these words this week, I read them over and over again as I was studying. And, you know, as, as I read them, the profoundness, the, the power of them, I just felt like going and doing something, you know? I felt like going and conquering something. But conquer what? What will these words mean to you as you leave this place and you go to live your life? I tried to be a student of preaching and was surprised and, and saddened as many pastors think that the preaching that is going on in the church really has little impact on their life. One author said this, In a traditional church, the Sunday sermon often becomes an end to itself. Parishioners attend service to hear a wonderful service, a sermon, much as one goes to the theater to witness a drama and then go on to their real life. 
If that's true, I find that especially troubling, especially when considering these words that we read together today. Grand and powerful words. Words that should be accompanied by the, by the sound of trumpets. But what will they mean to you in 30 minutes? What will they mean to you as you face the next great battle of your life? Consider it this way. A friend, a dear friend, comes to you heartbroken, falsely accused, and in great pain. This is a true friend, someone that you fought with, you worked with, you struggled with. You have uh, seen great victories and great defeats together. You deeply care about this person to the point where the Scriptures are true in your relationship, that when she hurts, you hurt. When she is victorious, you too feel victorious. Your friend goes on with this great battle of her life. It is vast in its struggle. It's life-threatening. And as she talks to you, you know there will come a moment when you will be required to respond. Half of your mind is listening to this great struggle. The other half, racing ahead, trying to find words that will somehow make a difference, be meaningful to him or to her. You consider different ones, but as he speaks to you, you, you find most of them inadequate, too small, too insignificant. Tears begin to roll down her face. You reach out to touch her hand. You want to make it better. You know the very first words that you say will be terribly important if you wish to have any kind of continuing conversation. Will your first words open a door or will they close it? Perhaps you've been in such situations. Finally she stops, wrung out and empty. Silence weighs heavy in the room. What do you say? What words will set the stage for any further discussion? What words can you offer that will provide some hope or even the opportunity for victory? Careful now, because this is important. <coughs> I wonder if the Apostle John felt that way as he sat before a blank piece of parchment. You see, because this wasn't just a, a question, it wasn't just a, a theoretical one, it was the reality of his life. These were his friends. He had established these churches throughout Asia. And in each church, because of his testimony and the, and the testimony of the Spirit, many people had come to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. They had wept tears of great joy, but now it's a time to weep great tears of, of hurt and frustration because, because of that faith that he had shared. Because of their belief, now they're struggling. They're greatly persecuted. Some of them are abused. Some of them are even tortured. Some of them are taking beatings. Some are separated from their families. Some are in hiding. Careful, John. What words will you say that will have any meaning to them? Choose carefully. Not just for this church, but for churches all around the world, people sitting in pews today 2,000 years later, what words will provide any hope? I almost turned away from this passage this week because after all, we are not suffering the persecution of the early church, yet we all struggle, don't we? 
Getting older is a struggle. Finances, health issues, problems with family, tensions at work, problems at school, on and on the list goes. Does the scripture in our faith have any way of making a difference? What do you say to your friend at such a moment? How will you respond when it's your battle? In these scriptures, we are promised that if we hear and heed these words, we will receive a blessing. This passage is the only place in the Bible where that promise is made. So does the Apostle Paul have an encouraging and victorious word to offer? And I want to tell you today that I am so thankful to be able to say absolutely, overwhelmingly, yes. John begins his words this way, the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, in this passage and, and what he will continue to say, we will begin to see the true Jesus Christ revealed. And so the question begins, who is this Jesus who is coming? Answer, he is the one through whom grace and peace is possible, especially in times of great trial. He is the one not only who was and the one who will be, but the one who is ruler over all right now. Jesus, says the scripture, Jesus who is and was and will be. Let's say that together. I'm going to tell you one more time and then we're going to do it. Jesus who is and was and will be. Let's do it together. Jesus who is and was and will be. Oh, you sound better than I thought you would. You sound good. One more time. Jesus who is and was and who will be. Amen. Now listen. At the very hint of the next great battle of your life, I want you to, to memorize those words right now so then you can begin to proclaim them at that moment. At the next great battle of your life, say those words, pray those words, believe those words. Jesus who is and who was and who will be. You see, here's the thing. It's not just that Jesus was the one who was the great Savior of the world. It's not just that we will look into the future and he will save in the future. But right now, this very day, Jesus Christ reigns. Do those words make a difference in your life? Let me put it this way. When I was a little boy, my mom and dad took me to, uh, it was a carnival of some kind, and I remember so distinctly that there was a, a, a puppet show. And I remember all of the kids, you know, they had the screen, and then all of the kids kind of do that half circle around the screen. And do you, how many of you remember, raise your hand if you remember Punch and Judy. Remember Punch and Judy? Punch was just as mean as a snake, wasn't he? And uh, he used to carry a club, and he would beat old poor Judy and anybody else that passed by. He was just a mean rascal. And old Judy, she just, oh, poor Judy. But what I remember at that moment is as a child looking, just sitting in front of that great screen and looking up and just being absolutely mesmerized, enthralled, in rapt attention. And all of the other kids were too. And then so you had the screen, you had the children. Have you ever watched children at a puppet show? Oh, it's just like it's the realest thing. And then who's behind the children? Well, it's mom and dad, isn't it? 
They've got their own little circle, haven't they? Now, do they have that same amount of attention about what's going on? No, they don't care. They're maybe, you know, they're taking, you know, pictures of the kids so they can post them on Facebook. You know, they're checking their email. They're not involved with it. They're not, how can it be that these little children are so wrapped with attention, but mom and dad don't seem to care about anything that's going on in front of the screen? Here's why. Because adults know that behind the curtain, there is the true reality. Behind the veil is where the power that animates and gives life. Behind the curtain is the true reality that gives strength and power and guidance. And so as mature adults, the story in front of the curtain means very little or absolutely nothing. We know that the power that, that, that animates life, that gives strength and, and provides guidance is behind the veil. The revelation of Jesus Christ is pulling away that curtain so that we can see the reality of this world. Yes, there's a story in front of the curtain, but we know that the story behind it is greater. I'm not telling you this morning that there aren't real Goliaths in the world, that there aren't real struggles in the world. What I am telling you, and I hope you believe, for all of us that say so proudly today, Christ reigns, I'm just saying that the story behind the veil is where the power and the truth and the reality and the strength and the guidance should be for our lives. Does that make sense to you this morning? We are people of the revelation. John has pulled back the curtain for us, or, or God has for John to be able to see. And behind the curtain, John announces, and yes, trumpets should be heralding this powerful news, Jesus who is and was and is to come. He is the ruler of the kings over the earth. He is the one that has overcome death, the greatest fear of all. Let me put it this way. How many, how many high school students do we have in here today? How many? Got a few. How many, any college students in here today? Great. All right. So if you were like me, about this time in the semester, it begins to be crunch time. Am I right, Paige? Am I right? This is the time when you, it dawns on you that you really should have been reading that book six weeks ago, right? This is the time when finals are, are looming and the papers are getting to be, oh man. And you know, even as I talk about that, I'm not even a student anymore and my anxiety level begins to increase. What happens? What if? Oh, man, you're going to like this story. What if you went into school tomorrow and the teacher looked at all of the class and said, you know what? I have just, I've just fallen in love with you guys over this semester. And uh, I'm, I'm just so thankful for you. And, and I'm to the point that, that I, I'm going to, I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm going to give you an A at the end of the semester. Now, listen, don't just check out on me. I, I want you to go ahead and attend. I want you to take notes. I want you to do your very best. Take the test. I want you to learn a lot. But I do want you to know this. At the end of the semester, you will receive an A. Do I have an amen, at least from a few of you? What would that do to your anxiety level? How would that change your life? What would you have to worry about? Nothing, right? 
you would just fall down at the teacher's foot and call him blessed. Or how about this? How about this? How many of you are just avid readers? You just, you just love to read. Just love to read. Have you ever got into a book that is so tense and so kind of anxiety-producing that you just want to turn to the last page? This is a true story. This summer I got into a book. It was like a, it was like a murder suspense, and it was just too much. Oh. And uh, I, I looked over at Sandy one time. We, I was sitting there reading, and I go, I don't think I can take this anymore. I, and I just put it down. She said, well, you know, she didn't care. So, so <laughs> do what you want. <laughs> but it was, it was enticing, so I, I picked it back up, and then I thought to myself, oh, I can't do it. And, I, and oh, what's the temptation? I'll just turn to the last page, right? And maybe I'll go back and read the rest of it, but if I know that everything turns out at the end, what's that do to my anxiety level? It takes it all away. I've got nothing to worry about. All the pressure is removed. Listen, the revelation of Jesus Christ is God pulling back the curtain and turning to the last page and showing us that Christ was and is and will be victorious and we with him. Verse 5 says this, that Jesus is the firstborn of the dead. Romans 6 says it this way, or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly she shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified in him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Brothers and sisters, this is the grace-filled A at the end of the semester. This is the victorious last page of the suspense thriller. This is the veil being pulled back so that we might see true reality. Christ reigns, and we are victorious with him. Say it aloud with me. Christ reigns. Christ reigns. One more time. Christ reigns. The revelation of Jesus Christ shows us what Jesus has done for us. The Revelation says, who loves us, Jesus, who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. He released us. Note the tense. He loves us, present tense, but he released us, past tense. Children of God, your sins are covered past, present, and future. We want to do our best out of a great response for the love that has been shared, but our sins are covered. Christ reigns. And this same Jesus has given us an everlasting kingdom to serve with him now and forever. This same Jesus has promised to return for you and for me and all believers. Verse 7 says this, Behold, he is coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him. And every eye will see him. Lord, my God, I get so frustrated and even angry at those that would mock our Lord and our God, that would make fun of him, that would turn him into some kind of cartoon. But there'll become a day when that's over, and every eye will see him. He is coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. 
So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and was and is to come, the Almighty. Amen. Lord, let it be soon. Come, Lord Jesus. Come now. This sermon, this this hour isn't meant to be theater, to be forgotten immediately. So what do these words mean to you? Grace to you and peace from him who is and was and is to come. From Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, who has released us from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom of priests to his God and Father. What will they mean to you in 30 minutes? As you begin your next great battle, will they mean anything? Nothing? Because if they do not, we may be too focused on what's in front of the curtain and not enough focused on what's directly behind. The place of all strength and power. The place of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of all. What will you say to your friend who has just lost her job? Or how will you respond to the one whose children are sick, whose tears are many? What will you believe when it's you? Perhaps we can consider these words which should make a difference and with great humility and tenderness simply say, Christ reigns. Will you have the audacity to say, grace to you in peace. We can. We should say it because we serve the God who is and was and is to come. As I read these words, I just wanted to go out and conquer something. But conquer what? How about conquer fear? Conquer a small and timid life. Conquer bitterness and unforgiveness. In fact, conquer everything this side of the curtain because Christ already has, and we in him. Verse 3 says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written. So are we hearing and heeding? And does Christ truly reign? In our hearts. Would you pray with me? Good and gracious Father. Oh my words are so small. Compared to those that we have read this morning. I pray for my brothers and sisters. Who are struggling greatly. I pray Father. That you would be very real. And powerful in their lives. That you would meet their needs. That you would truly reign over all of the problems. We pray, Father, for each other that your love, power, strength would guide us, that you truly would reign, that it is not about us and what we might receive, but the one who is worthy of worship and praise. Be with us in this moment. May your spirit move freely and powerfully within us, we who are your children. And may you reign in our lives and in your church. Amen.